Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. Welcome to this special edition of At Issue featuring a debate between Republican candidates for Governor Jeff Johnson and Tim Pawlenty. First, a few headlines as we near the primary election. Early voting numbers from the Secretary of State show a huge increase in the use of absentee and mail-in ballots. Already, more than 166,000 people have requested a ballot ahead of the election. That is up from 95,000 before the 2016 primary election. That's a 75% increase. The State Department of Health is making significant strides in clearing the backlog of investigations into nursing home complaints earlier this year. There were more than 800 cases awaiting investigation. That is now down to just one case. The department now partners with Human Services to investigate complaints following a push by the legislature. They now use an automated tracking system and require all maltreatment reports to have an initial review within two days. The latest fundraising figures are in for the Minnesota governor's race. On the DFL side, Tim Walls has raised $1.28 million. Aaron Murphy has raised $585,000. And Lori Swanson checks in at $606,000. On the Republican side, Tim Pawlenty raised more than $2.1 million. Jeff Johnson raised more than $306,000 since the start of the year. Minnesotans will go to the polls August 14th to choose their candidates for governor. Today, we will feature the leading two Republican candidates running for the office and discuss their stances on the big issues in this campaign. First, here's what you need to know about Jeff Johnson and Tim Pawlenty. Both candidates have run for governor before in Minnesota. Tim Pawlenty won two terms and served from 2003 to 2011. He briefly launched a bid for president in 2012, but dropped out of the race after just three months. Soon after, Pawlenty went out to Washington, D.C. to serve as CEO of the Financial Services Roundtable, which lobbies on behalf of financial institutions. He resigned that post when he decided to run for a third term as governor back in April. Pawlenty did not seek the Republican endorsement. His running mate is current Republican Lieutenant Governor Michelle Fishbach. Jeff Johnson won the GOP endorsement for governor in June. The Hennepin County Commissioner is making his second run for the state's highest office. He challenged Governor Dayton back in 2014 but lost. Johnson also served in the Minnesota House of Representatives from 2001 until 2007. He is running with Donna Bergstrom, a retired Marine Corps intelligence officer and member of the Red Lake Nation. And we are joined now by Jeff Johnson and Tim Pawlenty, both running for the GOP nomination for governor. Thank you both Thank for you. being here, Commissioner and Governor. It's great to see you both. Now, Tim Pawlenty, you served two terms as Minnesota governor during some very challenging economic times. There's no question about that. Why do you want to serve as governor again in the state of Minnesota? Well, I'm both concerned and hopeful about Minnesota's future, and I think I can help that by bringing forward uh, reasonable and fair tax policies that bring tax relief to Minnesotans, especially modest and middle-income Minnesotans. We need to drive down health insurance premiums. They're too expensive for people who are feeling stressed by the rising cost of health insurance. We need to fund our schools, but we need to also hold them accountable for better results. So I'm passionate about that. I think we need to crack down on illegal immigration, Tom, not look the other way on it. I think we need market-based, not government-based uh, solutions to health care and much more. But that's the type of policy direction and approach and philosophy I want to bring forward, and I think Minnesota will benefit greatly from it. Now, Jeff Johnson, you ran for governor in 2014. You lost to uh, Governor Dayton. You've continued your work on the Hennepin County Board. Why do you think you would be the best 
Republican candidate for governor in 2018? Well, I think people in Minnesota are looking for just really substantial fundamental change. They're not looking to tweak the edges of government or business as usual. And I'm running because we need to fundamentally change the culture in St. Paul from that of controlling and directing and telling everybody how to live their lives or run their business or farm their land to actually serving the people who pay their salaries. We've seen an arrogance, particularly in some of our state agencies, that is completely unacceptable. And I don't think asking our state agencies to be a little more efficient is going to cut it anymore. People are looking for something different. Now, in the past week, this uh, campaign has gotten uh, a little nasty at times, mostly on the television airwaves. Mr. Polenny, your campaign came out swinging with a hard-hitting TV ad about Jeff Johnson's record that portrays him as a big tax and spender. Let's take a look at that ad right now, and then we'll talk about it. Who is Jeff Johnson? He's a career politician who taxes and spends a lot. As a Hennepin County Commissioner, Johnson didn't just vote for a massive property tax increase, he proposed one. Johnson then supported Governor Dayton's plan to expand the state sales tax to auto repairs, babysitting, and more. Jeff Johnson supported spending millions of dollars of taxpayer money to support Obamacare. Higher taxes, wasteful spending, supporting Obamacare. That's the real Jeff Johnson. Now, Mr. Polenny, your opponent has always portrayed himself as a very tight fiscal conservative. You say he's a big tax and spender. You believe that? Well, I think Jeff and I are both conservatives, but the problem we have or the challenge we have with respect to this race is Jeff has held himself out as almost the perfect conservative. And there's some things in his records that indicate that's not always the case. So we thought they were worth pointing out. And that ad has three components to it. One is he proposed a property tax increase in Hennepin County. The Democrats proposed more. He proposed a smaller increase, but it's still an increase. That's accurate, and the Hennepin County minutes for sure prove that. He did support or applaud part of Governor Dayton's tax plan that would have expanded the sales tax to the types of things listed in that ad. And he did embrace parts of Obamacare. There's no question about that. So the point of the ad is to try to highlight that as he criticizes me for not being sufficiently conservative, he's got some things in his record that suggest that also. Can't you take anybody's record apart here and there and, and then make it a bigger issue than it really is? Because I think most people who've known Jeff Johnson over the years would not consider him a big tax and spender. I, I think it's fair to say any reasonable people that look at our records would say we are both conservatives, but as he nitpicks my record, then I think it's fair to nitpick his. Wait a second. The question to you was, do you really think he's a big taxer and spender? And you've clearly said no. But you What said, I said was you voted to raise no, taxes, no, no. Well, you embraced Obamacare, Tim, and you embraced Dayton's His question tax. to you was, do you really think he's a, a, someone who taxes and, and spends I, a lot? which is what your commercial said, and you essentially said, no, he's a conservative, but there are these little things which turned out to be quite false. But you spent, what, $300,000 to put that out for two weeks, even though people had told you it was false, and now you're putting it out in a letter. Those, are, your, those your, claims are not Tim, false. Tim, yeah. your letter, and your letter, yeah, yeah, they are. And your letter says, well, Jeff's not really all that different, even then from the DFL candidates. That's disappointing. You're not the Tim that... I helped win in 2002 because that Tim would not be so dishonest. Well, and the, the Jeff that I know wouldn't have said from day one before we ever launched that at all the attacks you've laid onto me. So if you want to get into attacking my record, you should expect to have your record reviewed and scrutinized as well, Jeff. And will, that's what that adds about. I will question your record based on the truth as opposed to what this Did was you propose a tax increase in Hennepin County? I absolutely did not. You did not? No, I did so not. So if the Hennepin County minutes show that you made a motion to uh, increase property taxes in Hennepin County by 3%, you no. never made such a motion. I did not. The motion really? was... 
Tim, are you going to listen? Or I, I believe there wow. was a vote on wow. that, though, wasn't there? There was, there a, a, vote? There was wow. a vote to amend the 5% to 3%. There was not a vote on that. I Who made the motion, Jeff? I certainly wouldn't have voted to. I knew they were going to increase it, so I wanted to get it down. But you can play but did all you the just games. say you never made a motion to increase property taxes correct. by 3%? That's correct. I did In not. Hennepin County? That is correct. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, my gosh, Tim. You know, wow. and you can keep playing these Washington games, but I think people are tired of it. They want to know what we stand for. They want to know the, the minutes truth are the minutes, records. Jeff. It's public record. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just it's we'll kind of it sad to you. where you go in this campaign. I did look at the it's minutes. I was under the same impression that, that you had made it, but with the idea sure. that it would be a lower tax increase than what the rest of the board wanted. Lower than the crazy liberals, but still an increase. No, no, no. No, but, but if you're going to say it's true that I voted for a tax increase, I did not. I made a motion to lower what the amount would be that would be voted on later, which I voted no on, which right. is simply untrue. <laughs> Let, let's, let's, uh, you can laugh right. all you in want, the, but wow. you should stop being so dishonest in this campaign. In the interest wow. of equal time, uh, wow. Mr. Johnson, your campaign is now running an ad that, among other things, claims that former Governor Pawlenty brought us light rail and much higher spending. Let's take a look at that ad, and then we'll talk about that. There are two clear paths in this primary. Tim Pawlenty gave us higher spending and massive fee increases. He brought us green energy mandates, light rail, common core. Tim had his chance and he blew it. I'll bring a new vision where you have more money in your pocket and less government in your life. We'll rein in this arrogant and broken system and I will not cave when the left attacks. I'm Jeff Johnson, the conservative in this race, and I hope to earn your vote. Now, Jeff Johnson, do you really believe that Tim Pawlenty is a big spender who actually brought us light rail? Yeah, he brought us light rail. He was the governor who signed the bill that finished funding the, uh, the Central Corridor. He could have vetoed that. He could have line-eyed and vetoed that, but he chose not to. And he had been a, an opponent of it when he was in the legislature, but as governor, when you can actually make the difference, he chose not to. Could you make the same case uh, that you made about his ad that you're nitpicking on his record because there is record that he fought against light rail when Governor Ventura was in office and he was House Majority Leader and later did cut funding for the Central Corridor but pardon the pun but it was kind of a runaway train it was hard to stop light rail with all the federal money that was coming in. Yeah, Maybe it was but here's the reality you can talk about what he did in the legislature or you can talk about what he did as governor. All I'm talking about in this campaign is what Tim Pawlenty did as governor. We're not trying to pull apart everything he's ever done in a city council or in the legislature, but when he had the opportunity, when he had that gift of eight years to change government, I'm talking about what he did and what he didn't do. Your response to that, Ed? Well, a couple of things. First of all, just like the Hennepin County you know, dispute we just had, guess who voted? for light rail, Jeff Johnson. Guess who voted for the Central Corridor in, in his early votes in the legislature? Jeff Johnson. Same with Hiawatha. So again, this is hypocrisy. Jeff is talking out of both sides of his mouth. He wants to attack me for that. We've got him voting for that while he was in the legislature. Do you dispute that? And, and Tom, I, was, I wanted to make the other points as well, which is if you look at spending, while I was governor for eight years, the average spending during that time per year was 1.4, 1.5%. It was the lowest rate of spending growth in the modern history of the state, lower than any other governor in the modern history of the state, and in one budget cycle actually cut in real terms. And one of the big differences between me and Jeff is I actually do these things. He's been in office at the Hennepin County Board for a long time. He was in the legislature for a long time, and he's never actually led or accomplished any of the things he talks about. And that's why I called him uh, earlier today a poser. Do you dispute those light rail votes? 
Um, I may have voted for an omnibus bill that had highway funding in it, and that's part of the problem with the system. Or it, mass transit funding? You mass mean? transit and highway funding. The reason I would have voted for it, because it had highway and road funding. So in he's it. against it before, you know, now he's against but, it before he voted for it, but see, or after is, he voted for this it. This is what you do. You try to, I say, here's what he did as governor, and the response isn't, well, I didn't do it, or I'd do something different. It's, well, look at what Jeff, look at that omnibus bill Jeff voted for. This is the old way of politics. I think people are tired of it. They want to know what we stand for. They want to know what our visions are. They want to know what the legitimate and honest differences are. And we're not getting that right now. So, but what, this is a great Final example, Tom. The honest differences. So he says, I'm uh, supported light rail. And he wants to point that out as an honest difference. Well, how is that an honest difference when he supported it as Tim, well? I wasn't governor. You were. You could have line out of these How did you vote? You how did you vote? Tim, I wasn't governor. You were a legislator. You were. How did you vote? I don't know how I voted on that. I may have voted for an omnibus bill. You were governor. Yes, and this you is were a legislator, you and you voted for it, Jeff. Yeah, Tim, you were governor. So this is what people don't like it. about uh, politics: is hypocrisy. No, I have. You been don't a, get to I've say. You don't get to say he's against light rail, rail for and then vote for years on the Hennepin That's County John Kerry well behavior. Oh, Tim, you were governor, and you chose you were to for do it things, before you were against and it. And now you don't want to take responsibility for your moderate record on certain. You were for it before you were against it. Let's move on to some issues that are of importance to our viewers and, of course voters in the state of Minnesota, beginning with the tax issue. Uh, Governor Dayton raised income tax rates on the highest earners in the state of Minnesota. Would either of you as governor, uh, among your first actions, try to roll those back? I'll start with you, Commissioner. Yeah, absolutely. And I have said that uh, income tax would be where I start with respect to tax reform. And, but it wouldn't just be that top tier. That top tier is completely out of whack with the rest of the country. But our bottom in income tax rate in Minnesota is higher than the highest rate in 23 other states. So we, we aren't just overtaxing CEOs. We're overtaxing school teachers and mechanics and bartenders. That has to be a starting point. Would you try to roll back those? We need tax, tax relief in Minnesota, including income tax relief, Tom. We, as Jeff just mentioned, we've got some of the highest income tax rates in the country. And it affects not just wealthy people, it affects people at all income levels. And one of the things Minnesotans want is good value for the taxes that they pay. So we need relief, but we also need to hold government accountable for delivering better value. Let's uh, go to a viewer question that we have. We solicited uh, viewer questions on uh, Facebook and online. What, if anything, does any of the candidates plan on doing about the taxes in this state, specifically about tax relief for retired or senior citizens? Jeff Johnson. Well, with, I think we both touched on taxes uh, more broadly, but with respect to senior citizens, we are one of the, what, three states maybe that taxes Social Security benefits. That's money that's already been taxed. Most of these people are on a fixed income. That should be right at the top of the list. Uh, Attempts have been made at that in recent legislative sessions. Yeah, that, this is one of the main uh, planks of my campaign, which is in our discussion about tax relief and what we want to deliver for tax relief, we want to target it to modest and middle-income Minnesotans. And this is a great example of that. Minnesota, as Jeff just mentioned, is one of the few states in the nation that taxes Social Security benefits. We should end that. If you work your can off your whole life, you get to the end of your work life, and you want to enjoy your retirement, the state should not reach in and take through taxation some of your Social Security benefits. All right, let's uh, shift to the transportation issue. Democrat Tim Walls came out with a plan last week saying he would fight for a gas tax increase to fund transportation. Uh, how would each of you approach, I know you know transportation or think transportation funding is important, uh, but I don't imagine you would fight for a gas tax increase. Uh, yeah, I, I don't support a gas tax increase that uh, most Republicans don't. And frankly, with a Republican legislature, they're not going to pass that in anyway. So we've got to focus on things that we can actually do to advance the cause of increasing transportation funding in the state of Minnesota. It's needed. We're behind. And so here are a couple of ideas. Let's uh, dedicate the existing tax on auto repairs and services 
to transportation. That would be really helpful and infuse a lot of additional money into transportation. I also think we can make better use of the bonding process, which is the way we finance capital projects in Minnesota for transportation projects as well. In your view on transportation funding, how would you go about it? Well, we've seen, a, we've seen an increase in funding or in state spending of over 50% in the last eight years. So it's not a question of us not taking enough money from people. I certainly would not support a gas tax increase. We're already one of the highest in the country. But I would agree with Tim on this, that we should use more of our bonding capacity for local roads and bridges, as well as maybe take some money out of the general fund. This is a, this is a statewide priority, or at least it should be, and we haven't been treating it as such lately. Now, we also have a viewer question on this, and I think we touched on this when we were talking about the ads a moment ago. Do you want to see more people using mass transit, biking and walking? If so, what will you do to make sure that there are safe and affordable options? I think for Republicans, affordable is probably the main thing that you're, you're looking for. But uh, Governor Plan, let me start with you. Why is the Republican Party so opposed to mass transit, especially light rail? Uh, two lines already exist. There's another one on the drawing board. Uh, hasn't that train left the station? Why do Republicans keep standing in the way of it? You're full of puns today, Tom. But, uh, <laughs> um, well, a couple of things. First of all, we should analyze it this way for transportation. How many people does it move, whatever the pro proposal is? How much does it cost to build? How much does it cost to subsidize or operate once it's up and running? And how does that compare to other alternatives? And what that leads you to with a lot of the mass transit projects is they are really expensive, really inefficient. And I will say one other thing. Increasingly, if you look to the transportation plans of the future and the technologies that's coming online, uh, I don't think fixed point large mass transit projects like light rail is the technology of the future. I think in 20 years we're going to look back and think that's really quite obsolete or outdated. But hundreds of millions of dollars have already been invested on the southwest light rail line, for instance, and obviously billions more on the existing lines. Isn't it a little too late to, to stop this? No, it's absolutely not too late. And, and the problem is this is the first step for, with many more after. And the, the question of uh, the person who wrote in was, do you want to see more people using mass transit and bikes and paths? And my answer is yes, if they want to use them. But I don't think government should be telling people how they have to travel. And that's the fight I've been fighting on the county board the last few years with respect to Southwest. The, the cost-benefit ratio is absolutely horrible, and it will do practically nothing to relieve congestion. Commissioner, on the health care issue, is, in your mind, uh, Minsure here to stay, or uh, do you have other ideas to help Minnesotans uh, afford uh, health insurance? Yeah, Minsure is not here to stay. I, I, I certainly pray it's not here to stay because it's been a disaster for just average Minnesotans who are trying to make ends meet. To me, that's just a part of it. The bigger picture is how much control does government have over people's health care and health insurance decisions. And right now, it is way too much because people in greater Minnesota, parts of greater Minnesota, literally have no choices on the exchange. So we need to introduce more competition and more choices for individuals. Mr. Plenty, would you get rid of Minsure and maybe shift Minnesotans to the federal exchange? Or? Yeah, so for your viewers, Minsure is the acronym for the state-based website to access Obamacare. And maybe I'm confused, but I thought Jeff was saying recently he was in favor of retaining insure, but, but no, maybe I'm not. But uh, in any event, I think we, you know, we don't need the state to run a website. I think we could have uh, the private uh, entities be the, the portal, if you will, for people to try to get their insurance. And if they can't afford it, then of course, for those who are 
eligible for the program, we can help them. But the idea that you have to come through a government portal to do that, I think we can do a better job than Minsure. Uh, gun control has become a big issue in recent months with several mass shootings, unfortunately, many of them at schools. Uh, Republicans are often accused of standing in the way of any reform in gun laws. Uh, Mr. Pelenny, are Minnesota gun laws strong enough already? I'm a strong Second Amendment supporter, and my record demonstrates that, and I'm a proud gun owner myself. But I think there are a few things we can do that both sides could agree on, whether you're on the Second Amendment side of this, like I am, or some of the others who battle us on that issue, and they include these, Tom. One is let's ban bump stocks. Uh, I think they're probably already illegal under laws, but there's some confusion or, or debate about that. And these are mechanisms that make semi-automatic weapons operate like machine guns, and machine guns are already illegal. So ban bump stocks, number one. Number two... Uh, I think we should have background checks as a voluntary option for people who aren't currently required to run them if you're selling guns as a way to incentivize those individuals to use the system. And that way more people without government mandate would be encouraged to do background checks that could improve public safety and it wouldn't require a heavy hand of government or a government database. And then lastly, I think we can improve our laws relating to people who are mentally ill and dangerous. Uh, with due process ahead of time, not having access to uh, certain firearms. Mr. Johnson, how would you balance uh, gun control with the rights of gun owners? So the answer to your question, do we need stronger gun control measures, my answer is no. I don't think we do. Uh, we actually, as, as a government, do a pretty lousy job of enforcing what's already on the books, so we should do that first. But I fear when we talk about let's do this little thing or that little thing, we're completely ignoring what the important issues are and the really difficult issues are when we talk about gun violence, especially what's happening to some of our young men. It's, it's family breakdown. It is a culture that's drenched in violence. It's policies in some of our schools that literally ignore violent students through, because of political correctness. And it's mental health issues. These are tough issues, but rather than saying, let's do these little things and then the problem's going to be solved, I think we've got to start tackling those harder ones. And speaking of, of schools, there was some money passed uh, this year for school safety legislation that would actually put millions of dollars to allow schools to uh, fortify, if you will. Uh, but, Mr. Polenny, is that the answer, making our schools fortresses? It's, it, you know, fortresses is probably the wrong word, Tom, but we clearly need to make our schools more safe, and that includes better training, having protocols for school safety. In fact, when I was governor, we did some of that. Um, we also need to give them resources for the schools to choose to, quote-unquote, harden their facilities so that they are more resilient and safe and that requires some aid from the state and it also gives them some authority to do some of that locally but there's more we can and should do to make our schools more physically safe is that one of the answers to the gun that is, violence problem that is one of the answers i would i would help at the state level but i would still leave it up to the local school districts to make that decision as to how fortified they want to be now obviously mining is a huge issue in northeastern minnesota uh, there's a battle between the economics of mining and balancing that with the environment uh, where do you stand on uh, the various mining issues, polymet, uh, you know, mining on some of the, the land near the boundary waters, those types of things? Yeah, I, I will be a proponent as governor for copper, nickel mining in northern Minnesota as I believe that as long as we can show that it can be done environmentally safe, and it looks like it can, as long as they go through that very rigorous process, I'm going to move forward with that because these are good-paying private sector jobs in an area of the state that is desperate for those. Mine now, mining is so important to Minnesota's economy and culture and heritage, particularly in northeastern Minnesota, but to our overall economy in Minnesota. So a couple of things we've got to watch. One is let's make sure we don't do anything that would hurt the boundary waters or the protective buffers around it. I think we can all agree on that. 
the mining projects that are pending now are outside of those areas, so let's make sure they go through the rigorous review process, and if they meet our rigorous environmental standards, uh, then they should be favorably considered. Polymet, by the way, is much more advanced in terms of being through that process than some of the other projects, and that looks promising. Even some of the Democrats are supporting Polymet, but they've got a few more steps to go in the process. Uh, there's others that are earlier in the stage, and but, but what I really want to close with this, Tom, is some, both sides are trying to politicize this by either short-circuiting or elongating our normal process. These projects should go through the normal rigorous process and then we'll see based on good science and good information how they withstand that scrutiny. Less than, less than five minutes left. Okay, I want great. to get through a couple more issues as quickly as we can. On education funding, Governor Dayton uh, talked about how he was going to increase funding for education every year and the record shows he has done that. But I want to ask you, is money the only answer uh, to our education issues, or do you have other ideas, uh, education reform and those types of things that maybe are not that expensive? Commissioner? Yeah, clearly money is not the answer because if it was, we wouldn't have the achievement gap we have in parts of the state that are actually getting the most money. So money is important, it matters, but what we've been doing is throwing money at this problem and not doing anything to actually reform the system and create accountability. So with respect to K-12 funding, number one, we need to radically simplify the formula. It's an abomination right now. We need to move more towards per-pupil funding. We need to start eliminating mandates so that locally elected school districts and school board members are making decisions about those kids. And then I happen to believe that parents should have real school choice in this state. Mr. Polanyi? Yeah, and, and Jeff raises a good point. The school funding formula in Minnesota is starting to look like the IRS tax code. I mean, it's really difficult and overly complex. But yes, Tom, the point is it's our measure of our commitment to education should not just be how much money are we putting in. We should send our schools more money. And by the way, contrary to all the attacks, a couple million dollars that are going on in the air from the Democrats against me, school funding did go up during my time as governor. But we also pushed accountability in education. And so a few things on that front. School districts should not be able to enter into contracts that spend more than their revenues are, that they're taking in, projected to take in. And they do that regularly. Our schools are almost always in financial crisis. And I won't go on because I know we're short of time. But I also think we need to hold school districts accountable for, for more than just how many uh, students they're putting through the process. We've got to measure actual progress and achievement gains. Less than 30 seconds on each of these next issues, so 15 seconds each. On elder care, we talked about it at the top of the show. Uh, there, were, there was evidence that these cases of abuse were simply not being investigated by the state. That acceptable to you? Well, of course not. And, and that, that is a problem in a lot of our state agencies where uh, they will argue it's because they don't have enough money, but sometimes I think we are misprioritizing things. We need to demand accountability from our state agencies. I know you're trying to get the time fixed in yes. the show, Tom, so I'll be helpful to say I just agree with Jeff totally <laughs> and, uh, on that point. Okay, and then on the opioid crisis, Governor Dayton and there was bipartisan uh, legislators as well proposed a penny a pill tax on the pharmaceutical industry uh, to help them be partners in dealing with the opioid crisis. Is that something that you would ever agree to or is that just a tax that you're not willing to look at? The pharmaceutical companies need to be held to account for their role in the opioid crisis. They overprescribed, they overmarketed, and they didn't disclose how addictive some of the medicines that they were pushing were and now that that's being revealed. So we're going to make them pay one way or the other and by the way one of the ways to do that is through litigation which is currently pending. And the final thing, the president's approval rating right now is less than 40 percent in Minnesota according to a recent poll Will each of you seek his support, and would you welcome him to come here and campaign on your behalf? Yeah, so absolutely. Yes. 
So you're four square behind President Trump. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't mean I agree with everything he says, but I absolutely support him, and I think that that's a difference. Our background on that is a difference. Mr. Plenty, real quick. I, I would welcome his endorsement, and of course, we'd always welcome uh, the president to come to Minnesota. All right. Uh, Former Governor Tim Pawlenty, Hennepin County Commissioner Jeff Johnson, thank you both for being here for thank this you. spirited debate. I truly do appreciate it. Now, next week, we'll feature the three leading DFL candidates for governor, State Representative Aaron Murphy, Congressman Tim Walls, and Attorney General Lori Swanson. That commercial-free debate will air next Sunday, August 12th, right here on 5 Eyewitness News and at Issue. And a reminder that primary election day is coming up Tuesday, August 14th. You can vote early, in person, all the way up until 5 p.m. on Monday, the 13th. You can go to our Vote 2018 page to read more about the races, the candidates, and the issues. That is at kstp.com slash vote. And that is all the time we have for now. We'll see you back here again next week for another edition of At Issue.